Okay, I have a personal selfish question. Can I really make as good of a churro in my own home? (laughs) That is an excellent question. Uh, Yes, you can. And also, no, you cannot. Welcome back, everybody, the DCL Duo podcast. And this evening, we're excited to be talking with Ashley Kraft, who wrote the unofficial Disney Parks cookbook that's due out later this year, I believe. So welcome, Ashley. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're really excited to talk to you. We usually start the show with people's Disney background. And since you're writing an unofficial Disney Parks cookbook, I assume you have some good background with Disney. So (laughs) do you want to share with folks kind of your connection back? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually grew up in Anaheim, California when I was a little kid. And so we lived in the Anaheim Hills area and we we lived only 15 minutes from the park. So, I mean, we would go to Disneyland constantly. Like we went at least once a week oh my for, gosh. for years that I lived there. And we, we would even go, like it would be the evening time and my parents would say like, does anybody want churros? Like, let's just go and get churros. Like it was, it was that simple. And now looking back, it's just insane because now I live in Kansas City, so I can't go and have churros whenever I want. (laughs) But that that was what it was like living there. It was super magical. And and I was literally close enough that we could hear the fireworks at night from my bedroom. I am. I'm super jealous. Yeah, that's a charmed childhood, right? I mean, pretty, pretty cool. And and that that was just where my Disney love started. Uh, After that, I mean, I continued to go for years after that. And then I was in college. I went to college at Brigham Young University in Utah. I did two Disney internships at Walt Disney World in Florida. So my first one was in 2010, and that was at Animal Kingdom working attractions. So I did Kali River Rapids in Asia, and then I did Expedition Everest. So that was really cool to be able to see the park operations and get to see behind the scenes on how the rides work and the guest interaction and all that from a personal standpoint. And then I did another internship the next year in 2011, and that was working as a concierge. And so that was at Old Key West Resort and Saratoga Springs Resort and Spa. And that was like a whole different different experience. People always ask me if I liked working in parks or resorts better. And it's just impossible to say because they were both just amazing, like completely different aspects. Like when I was a concierge, I had so much more guest interaction one-on-one and being able to take the time to help people. And it's not just trying to move people through something. And it was, it was really neat to see the whole Disney vacation, not just the time they spend in the parks, like when they come back to the hotel and all that. And that was how I learned so much about Disney foods because as a concierge, you had to be able to recommend those kind of experiences to people. So I would have people come and say, okay, well, I'm going to be spending the day at Epcot tomorrow. What do you recommend? Like, what is your favorite restaurant or what do you like to eat or whatever? And I had to be ready for every single experience, like to talk about it. So it was a really great opportunity to do that. After that, I was a travel agent for many years, just helping people to book their Disney vacations. And then I went into into blogging after that. So that's my, my Disney experience. Awesome. And how often do you get to go to the parks, Disneyland, Disney world nowadays? Yeah. So over the past 10 years, I've gone at 
least once a year, sometimes twice a year. I've typically gone to the California parks and the Florida parks each once a year for the past 10 years. And, and have you been on the cruise line at all? I have not been on the cruise line yet. So I, I know that you guys are the DCL duo. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's your main there. But I'm, I'm definitely planning on going on a cruise as soon as I can and can't, can't wait for that experience. Well, I was going to say, Ashley, if you like Disney food, then you'll love Disney Cruise Line because yeah. it's it's everywhere. <laughs> and, it, and it's included. I, I know. I, I can't wait. I, it's going to be it's going to be a great day when I get there. <laughs> Well, so how did you get into writing the the cookbook, Ashley? Have you, had you had experience writing cookbooks before or was this just something that uh, that sparked your interest? How'd you get involved? Yeah, so... I, I've always been into cooking. I've I've been cooking in my own kitchen for forever and especially doing recipe creation. So it started out as just taking favorite recipes and then substituting things. And I remember that like my parents and my siblings always made fun of me because they thought that I was being like lazy or like I just didn't have the ingredients. And so I just like grabbed whatever I had. <laughs> but it, it wasn't really like that. It was a, a creative expression through the food. And it's okay to divert from a recipe. You don't have to stick to the recipe. You can do whatever you want with it. And that's when I found out I have a talent for that. And it became like, I created all the recipes that we ate. I always made something new and tried something new. So so it just got started kind of casually like that in the kitchen. So if you're somebody who has kind of a penchant for that, you could maybe be a cookbook writer too, because that, that's where it all begins. And then, like I said, I started blogging maybe three or four years ago. And I was always just trying to make these Disney recipes those became my most popular recipes on my website. So I really stuck to that and tried to do more of the Disney copycat recipes. I also am a mother of three children. So you can imagine there's lots of snacks and treats happening around here. So if you're if you're cooking that much, then you might as well make it fun. That's kind of how it all started. And then so um, about a year ago, I started querying literary agents to see if we could get this book made. And I was able to start working with my agent, Joe Perry. And so we we were trying to find publishers and sending my proposal to a lot of different publishers. And it wasn't until just this spring that we got in contact with Adams Media and made that deal to make this cookbook. I was looking on Amazon and I saw that the there's a series of these unofficial cookbooks for like, it was like Harry Potter, Game of Thrones, and a few others. And do, do you have any affiliation back to that, the, that series prior to this? Had you tried any of their books, for instance, even? Uh, yes, I, I am very familiar with those books. I, I have not had any part in writing them as I just started working with Adams Media just recently, but I knew how successful those books were. So when they took me up and wanted me to be a part of that series, I felt like really honored to get to, to take part in it. I have spoken with Dinah Buckles, who wrote the unofficial Harry Potter cookbook, actually like three or four years ago, I spoke to her. And so it was kind of funny that now we've full, come full circle and I get to be a, a fellow author with her. So it's pretty exciting. Well, you talked about working before this uh, through your vlog to make Disney food at home. What kinds of things did you try? Like what, what was some of the, the foods that you tried to make at home? And what was that process like of trying to sort of deconstruct and recreate the experience and the, the food from the parks? Yeah, exactly. It's definitely a process. The book that's coming out has a hundred recipes in it. So it was a lot. Like my my website didn't have nearly that many. Like I, I only have a handful of these recipes. So when I made the deal with Adams Media, they said they wanted it to be a hundred. And so that was like, oh gosh, I have a lot of work 
to do because <laughs> I thought, oh, I, I'm probably doing pretty good. Like, no, I have a very lot, a lot of work to do. <laughs> but basically, when when you're trying to to make a recipe, there's two ways that I can go about it. I either use an inspiration recipe to get started, and that's especially essential when you're baking. Baking is all about chemistry, all about exact numbers. So if you're trying to make a pretzel variation, or you're trying to make a cake variation, or something like that, I usually try to find a recipe online that is like a base, like a, okay, this is a white cake or something like that. You know what I mean? And then see how we can build it to be the recipe that it needs to be. So it's like, okay, here's a cheesecake and I'm trying to make it into a strawberry Bavarian cheesecake. So that's one way. The other way is to just literally start from scratch. And you can do that a lot when it's a cooking item that it's not as intricate on the numbers. So like the cheeseburger spring rolls or the mixed drinks. Like those are all things that you can just start from scratch and go from there. So it just takes a lot of trial and error. Every recipe, I go into the kitchen with all my materials that I need and then paper and a pen take tons of notes. If I say, okay, this cooked too long. I need to take minutes off of that. Or this needed to a little bit longer, or this wasn't the right ingredient for that. Or let's try it with a different kind of sugar. Those are the kind of things that you would tweak to make the recipe better. So I had to do that for a hundred recipes. <laughs> uh, which is a lot, but it's totally worth it to make sure everyone is is perfect. How, how long does that take from like start to sort of get it, yeah, getting to like the final product? Is this like or like a single item? Yeah, yeah, or a single dish. Yeah, again, it really it really depends. Like, I feel like a lot of them are can have success right off the bat. Some of them had bad fails. What was your biggest disaster? <laughs> so, so this one was so weird because I just thought it was going to be super easy. This was one that I started from scratch and I just thought, okay, this is going to be no problem. I'm going to bang this out today or whatever. And it is the chocolate covered caramel drizzled pineapple spear from Germany Pavilion at Epcot. This is one of my favorite treats. If you haven't had it, you've got to try it. But I just thought this would be so easy, but I could not get the caramel to stick on the pineapple because the pineapple is so slick and no matter how much I patted it down or I like froze the pineapple or you know anything it just it couldn't it wouldn't stick to it so I just said I gotta scratch it I don't think I can put this in I don't want to put something in that I don't trust and my husband said are you kidding me that is delicious you have to have it like because <laughs> that's one of his favorites too and he's like I'm gonna riot if you don't put that in the book so <laughs> you better, you better figure it out. So it's like, okay, I'm going to figure it out. So I just kept working on that one. It seemed like it would be so easy and it ended up taking so many tries, but we got it worked out. I, it's in the book so you can make it at home as well. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited to see. I, I want to figure out what the secret is, but I'll, I'll wait to yeah. see the book. I don't want you to share it and give too much of a spoiler on the, the show. What, what was the, I guess it'd be interesting to know, what was the first Disney food that you tried to recreate at home? The, the first one that I ever made was the Le Fou's Brew. Have you ever had Le Fou's Brew from Guest on Internet Magic Kingdom? No, oh, no. Oh, man. This is such a good drink. I, this was like Disney Parks answer to the butterbeer. When Wizarding World of Harry Potter opened, I don't know if you ever heard the statistic, but apparently 50% of patrons to Wizarding World of Harry Potter bought butterbeer. 
And that is like an insane number. Like you couldn't ever think of that happening. One out of every two people purchasing one, like that's a dream treat right there. So Disney wanted to have their equivalent of the same thing. And that was when Le Fou's Brew came out right after World opened. And it is a frozen apple juice that has toasted marshmallow flavoring in it, as well as a mango passion fruit foam topping. It's very refreshing, super sweet, very good. But I wanted to be able to make it at home when the beauty and the Beast movie came out on DVD, I wanted to make it for a party that I was having. So that was when I created that recipe. And since then, I have actually tweaked it to be even more user-friendly. And that's going to be the version that is in the book. It's really good. And it's very close to, to the actual recipe served at parks. That, is, that, that sounds like a very complex thing to start with. I was expecting to hear like, oh, it was a Mickey waffle or, or a pretzel or something. So like, <laughs> yeah. Which leads me, I guess, to the question, like what, what was the most complicated recipe? It sounds like maybe the pineapple, but is there something else that stood out as like, this was just really much harder than I thought it was going to be or very complicated from the start? Uh, yes, I definitely have the answer for that one. This one, I was so intimidated to do, but I felt like I had to have it in the book. I don't know if you've had the blueberry cream cheese mousse, which is served in Pandora at Animal Kingdom. I've seen but it. it is, you've seen, I know, you, everybody's seen it because it's so, like everybody Instagrams about it because it's just, it's gorgeous and it's crazy looking. Like it looks super alien. I was like, I have to have this in the book, but I really had no idea even where to start with it because it was so tough and I, I there there's not any recipes for it online that I could ever find like so so I think that I have the first recipe for it which is awesome but it has five different components so that's a lot of components for one dish <laughs> so it, it has a cookie on the bottom and then it has a like a, a blueberry mousse in the middle and then that is covered by a mirror glaze topping and then it has a passion fruit like scoop on top and then whipped cream on top of that so it was a lot and it was really scary but I was able to figure it out and I think it'll be really impressive in any in everybody's home so I can't wait to see everybody Instagramming the ones they made for my book. I think that'll be really cool. they, mi they might not be as pretty as the one that'll be in your book, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I mean, you just got to keep working at it. What's 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 been the most popular Disney recreation in your own household? Like, what 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 does your family love? <laughs> my kids, they always ask for the great stuff. They are serious <laughs> great stuff fans. I just think that they, like, cannot... They, they can't pull themselves from that. <laughs> if, if I were to ask them right now, rapid fire, they would probably be, what would you like to have right now? Great stuff. <laughs> but luckily for me, it's really easy to make. So uh, you can make it anytime and it's no big deal. How did you, I guess, so a hundred recipes that you're coming up with. I mean, there's probably, I don't know how many different foods at Disney World alone, but, but how did you... How did you identify these are the hundred things that really ought to be in the book? These are the iconic foods or the foods that people love. How did you call the, that down to the to the hundred that you uh, you ended up putting in the book? I, I honestly put myself in the shoes of if I was a consumer, because this is actually, you know, as of a year ago, I would have been the one buying this book. Like I would have been first in line to grab this book. I wanted it to to exist. And that's why I felt I was the one who needed to write it because it just didn't exist before now. And um, so I thought if I were to buy this book and open it up, what recipes do I want to see? If I'm a huge Disney fan, what do I run to at the park? Like, what do I have to have? And so that's where I just got started was like, what are the most iconic snacks and treats? And you'll, I, I don't know if I made this clear, but this book is only snacks and treats. It is only handheld food items. This does not include any sit down restaurant food or any like meal foods. There's some kind of like snacky meal foods 
which are like borderline, you know, but basically it's all snacks and treats. Which are, which are the park favorites, of course. Right. I know that's the fun stuff. Like that's what everybody wants anyway. And there's actually so much more than the 100. And so like, I do think that there will be other editions of this book, just like Harry, the unofficial Harry Potter cookbook is on its third edition. And I hope that this book will have future editions so that I can keep adding more of those amazing recipes because there's so much more. People have reached out to me and said, oh, is this recipe in there? And I'll say, oh my gosh, it's not because there's just no room. Like it's already full. <laughs> and, and so I, I can't wait to, to have those included in further editions. Um, I hope that that happen. Okay. I have a personal selfish question. Can I really make as good of a churro in my own home? (laughs) That is an excellent question. Uh, Yes, you can. And also no, you cannot. So this is something that that a lot of people don't think about. And I want to clear up here. And that is uh, most Disney snacks and treats are mass produced and created offsite by third party. Disney just has so, so, so much volume. They just have millions upon millions of visitors every year that they have to feed. Like there's just so much food that's happening. And Disney has made the smart decision to outsource that to companies who can do it better than they do. And especially snacks and treats that need to be at such high volumes and in such fast delivery. Those items are typically pre-packaged, frozen, all those kind of things, but, you know, super processed. So when you see a recipe that Disney has posted, which during this coronavirus quarantine, you've seen a lot of, they've actually posted a whole bunch of recipes, including churros, including Dole Whip, things like that. They are actually creating unofficial versions of their own food items because they don't make it. They can't make it. That Those are, are made in a factory. So they are basically doing the same thing that I do, which is taking the flavor profiles and the look and the texture of the food item and trying to recreate it so that a home cook can make it. So that's exactly the same way that I make recipes. It's exactly the same way that Disney puts recipes out to the public. When it comes to churros, churros are made by a third-party company. You can actually buy them in grocery stores in the frozen section in some grocery stores. And that's the exact churro that you get at Disney. Oh. But if you want to make a homemade version of it, that's just as good and sometimes even better. You can follow my recipe or you can follow their recipe. A, a good example of this is that when they just released their Dole Whip recipe, if you saw it, one of the main ingredients in it is vanilla ice cream. And Dole Whip is famously dairy-free. Right, dairy-free. We saw that. We were. I, I was kind of shocked that they put out one that had vanilla ice cream in it when they advertise as being dairy-free. So yeah, it was shocking to me. Exactly. So a lot of people noticed that. And I'm, I'm glad that it happened because people realize now more clearly that Disney is just trying to recreate a flavor and they're doing that in means that aren't the same way as the park. So Disney Dole Whip is made with a powder that's delivered by Dole. And that powder is mixed with water and put into a commercial ice cream machine. That's how you make a real, real Dole Whip. But in my unofficial parks cookbook, I do have a copycat Dole Whip recipe that is dairy-free and is the same texture and the same flavor homemade from scratch ingredients. So I think that that's even better than Disney's (laughs) recipe that they released. So that's just an example of how it's a little bit different and how the food that you make at home, the disclaimer is it's not going to be exact. It can never be exact because of those reasons. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's even better. Like I love my homemade frozen bananas better than Disney's. I think that the chocolate is richer. The bananas are a little bit softer and not like rock hard. You can choose your own toppings if you want to have sprinkles or walnuts instead of just peanuts. So it's kind of fun to be able to take Disney recipes and put your own spin on it. Yeah, I, I've seen Disney the Disney Parks blog having put out some of those recipes and I've seen some friends try and recreate the churros specifically. 
I will say a couple of my friends said that the Parks blog recipe for churros was a fail. Really? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Um, it'll be interesting. Maybe when your book comes out, maybe we'll do a side-by-side taste test and try and try and recreate That's theirs and yours. But what's funny. So what's interesting to me about your comment is uh, for the churro specifically, like I, so you can go buy this in the frozen food section at some grocery stores. People probably know that people probably do that. But how much of the how much of the food experience is, you know, if you think about food, it's it's not just the flavor, it's the look, it's the moment you're in. Like, do, do you ever find that it's hard to recreate something just because it's not at a Disney park in that kind of, you know, kinetic atmosphere, a whimsical moment of Disney? Have you do you think any of that plays a role in sort of, well, I could go to the grocery store and buy this thing, but it's not going to be as good as it as it is at Disney? That That's an awesome question. And and that was actually part of the reason why I got into it in the first place was because I wanted to have those magical moments at home. And you obviously can't have the atmosphere and you can't have all that, but you can have a taste of it, like literally a taste of it. And I think that that is so special. And I, I love when I create a recipe that we've had at the Disney parks with my family and I serve it to my children and they say, oh, this is what we had. You know, it's like I give them a lay foods brew and they say, oh, we had this in that circus tent right next to the the little roller coaster. And I'm like, yeah, do you remember going on the little roller coaster? Yes, that was my first roller coaster. It was so fun. I remember that we sat in those chairs and then we got to meet Mickey after that. And it's like, it creates a whole conversation and you get to have like a free revisit to your trip that you may not have had. So I love that it extends your trip in both directions. You can both prepare for your Disney trip by serving these treats, or you can reminisce about your Disney trip by serving them after you've had them. So I I love the experience to get to to expand that. So even though it's not the same experience, it's just an experience to have a different experience. That's a really good point. I mean, a lot of our memories, I think, are, are tied to, you know, sights and smells and tastes. And so we experience sure. memory a lot through food. I know um, that plays a role for Brian and I, even when, you know, when you're sick, you want certain kinds of comfort food, right? You, When you're stuck at home during a pandemic, you want certain kinds of comfort food, things that remind Absolutely. you of your childhood. So I, I think that's really a really good point that the way we experience memory through food. So, so I'm selfishly curious. Did you attempt to tackle the New Orleans square beignet? <laughs> of course. <laughs> I, could, I could not include a beignet, obviously. It's so good. <laughs> okay. Well, that will be the first one we make at our house. I think. So. That's great. <laughs> Put it in the paper bag and shake it up. And yeah. It's be well, good. But you know, the beignet actually raises an interesting question for me, which is so much of Disney's food is Mickey shaped. And so like I looked at that beignet and I said, how in the heck did they make this? Like I couldn't, I, my, my, my adult minded cooking brain, as opposed to, I'm not a very much of a baker. I was like, I cannot understand how they did this in a way that it puffed up to be Mickey shaped. Was that its own challenge with some of this food? That's like, okay, I got to do this, but I got to make it into a, like a Mickey shape kind of thing. Not, not for the beignet. So you can actually easily get a Mickey shaped cookie cutter on Amazon, or they even probably have it at Walmart or something. So, so for an item like that, you can just use a Mickey cookie cutter, or you can use like a cup for the large st- shape and then just two smaller circles or smaller cups or something like that lids uh, to make the smaller ears. So that's not that hard. The The biggest challenge for me as far as Mickey shaped was the Mickey shaped pretzel, because I just was trying to figure out how to make it. Obviously it's made in a factory. So it's like squeezed out that way. (laughs) I'm trying to to figure out like, am I supposed to twist this with my hands? Like until it looks like Mickey, I'm not really sure. I've been making pretzels for years, but I didn't know how to make it look like Mickey. But after doing my research, after doing some recipe testing, uh, you actually just roll out the pretzel dough 
into a kind of like heart shape. And then you use a sharp knife to score the shape of Mickey onto the dough. And then, and then you cook it up like that. So uh, it, it has the exact same effect as, as they produce it. So it's pretty cool. That's brilliant. Disney, the one that they have on the Disney Parks blog is simply just, uh, they did a circle and then they did two small circles. They did not even try to replicate the true exactly. yeah. shape on, you know, at the parks. And that's uh-huh. that's my favorite Disney snack is is the pretzel. So I think it'll be interesting. We'll have to fight over which one we, we try first, which recipe we try first. <laughs> um, particularly because I'm, I would say I'm the baker in the family because I know how to follow a recipe and <laughs> Brian is more <laughs> He's more, certainly a more creative cook than I am, and so creative in a good way. Well, it can go. I will. It can go Indian either. Indian food for me can go horribly wrong. Horribly wrong. wrong. Most other things, French food, Italian food. Yeah, he's um, pretty good. But I would say, yeah, with Brian's cooking, it can go really, really well or horribly wrong. With my cooking, it will. It will just sort of average. I would say I'm much better on the <laughs> on the baking side. Uh, yeah. but Brian's baking will go horribly wrong because he just does not like to be exact in measurements. I made a wonderful five layer lemon cake one time when you were out of town and you yes. just didn't get to experience it. That's true, but I, I don't <laughs> that like really good. That sounds really, really good. So I'm curious too, did, 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 so you talked about Pandora, did anything from Star Wars Galaxy's Edge make it into the book? Oh, for sure. I have, I think four recipes, four or five recipes from Galaxy's Edge. Also, I would like to say that I think my recipes are better than in the, in the Galaxy's Edge cookbook. I don't know if you've seen the Galaxy's Edge cookbook No. that was released last year. It was produced by Inside Editions and I believe, I believe actually endorsed by Disney because it, it says Star Wars Galaxy's Edge on it. It's not on an unofficial version. But what I think happened was that I think she was given the descriptions of the food because the book came out before the land opened. So, so they're not actually, they don't actually match. There's like Bronto wraps are extremely popular at Galaxy's Edge. One of my favorites. Yeah, so good. The Ronto wrap in the Galaxy's Edge cookbook is nothing like a Ronto wrap. I think it uses like ground sausage and it has guacamole on it. Like it's not nothing like it. Weird. Weird. I, I don't understand that at all. Like it's very strange. So I have a Ronto wrap recipe that has been on my blog for a year now to the day because Galaxy's Edge just opened a year ago today. And it's, it's extremely popular. One of my most popular recipes because it's such a close reenactment of it. So I, I think that that's better. She also doesn't have blue milk in the Galaxy's Edge cookbook. That's iconic. That's going to be in my book. So you look for that. It's going to be delicious. My favorite food out of Galaxy's Edge is the Ronto wrap and the they have a drink at that stand, the uh, Tatooine Sunrise, I yeah, think it's Tatooine called. Sunrise. It's just delicious. Yeah. So was there anything that you were making that like it surprised you in how you ended up having to make it? And, and I'll give you an example of my what I'm thinking about here. I had a, f- a friend on another podcast recently who has a dietary restriction or allergy or whatnot. And, um, you know, he's very good about telling and Disney's very good about telling him about, you know, oh, we'll go check that out. I guess he ordered a hot dog at like um, Tully's Canteen in Pandora and mm-hmm. told him about the allergy. And they came back and they said, well, we don't have anything like that in there. But, you know, the, the hot dog is dipped in simple syrup before it's cooked. And he was sort of, I'm sorry, you're dipping my hot wow. dog in sugar before you make it right and i was immediately like oh, i think it kind of makes sense it would make it, it would make it much more delicious and crisp <laughs> it up on the outside kind of thing um yeah wow but, but was there anything that you were going through and you're like i just can't figure out what they're doing here and then when you had the aha moment you were like that is just a bizarre way to make food <laughs> 
I, I'm trying to think. I, so I actually, so, you know, I had the LeFou's brew recipe on my website for years. And the way that I had come up to do that, because it's a frozen beverage and I don't have like a, one of those huge machines that produces frozen beverages in my home. So I poured the apple juice into a ice cube tray and froze the ice cubes and then blended the ice cubes. So that was how I made the frozen apple juice. But, and then I actually kept doing that for other frozen drinks was I would freeze it in an ice cube tray and then blend it. But I turned around my recipes and tried them in a different way. I instead put them in an ice cream maker. Like I have an instant ice cream maker and they're very cheap. Everybody can buy one. They're, you know, 20 or 30 bucks on Amazon. They're not expensive. And that can make a frozen drink in like 15 minutes. So instead of going through the hassle of trying to get the ice cubes the right way, which just makes a huge sticky mess in your freezer, they don't want to come out of the ice cube trays because they're super sugary. And then you have to have a really high power blender to make it a uh, smooth texture. Uh, you just put it into the into the ice cream maker and it, and it makes a frozen drink pretty easily. So that took a lot of trial and error to get to that point. But now I use it for, for a lot of frozen drinks. <laughs> drinks and treats. So that's lucky. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. I wouldn't have thought about that. That's what I always find is people are always like, wow, that, I never thought about that. And so there you go. There's my there's my free tip for the day. <laughs> <laughs> a little spoiler before the book comes out. Spoiler. That's right. <laughs> were, were there any recipes that you wish you could have done for this book, but you just you 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 couldn't perfect or you you just you you couldn't get them in there? Um, yeah, like I said, there's there's more re- there's more food items that I want to put in the book, but luckily I'm I'm hoping that there'll be another edition at some point. One of those items is the ooey gooey butter cake from uh, Liberty Tree Tavern in, in Magic Kingdom. I've had, I've had several people ask me if it's in there and I'm already like, I'm so sorry, it's not. I didn't I didn't attempt it. It wasn't something that I ever had on a table of content idea. It wasn't on my radar at the time. And since I've had a lot of people ask for it, so that's just one of those ones. I also want to have more of the Galaxy's Edge recipes. I'd love to have more festival recipes. Just everything couldn't get in there like I wanted it to. So just have to hope for a, a future edition at some point. What's the split between savory and sweet items in the book? Is it like a 50-50 or are there more of one or the other? That's a good question. I would definitely say there's more sweet than savory. I originally wanted to break the book down. It was originally going to be set up like that. Like there was going to be a sweet chapter and then a savory chapter and then like a salty chapter, but it wasn't equal at all. So it didn't didn't come out that way. I I don't know if I've uh, mentioned this, but the book is actually going to be broken down by park and land. So it's very different from it's very different from other cookbooks in that way that it's not like appetizers and mains or whatever. They're set up by park according to release date of the park. So it starts with Disneyland and then goes through all six U.S. parks and then ends with California Adventure. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then um, at the beginning of each chapter, there's actually going to be a map that an artist will render um, that shows the locations in the park for each of the food items in that chapter. So it's really fun that you're going to get to look at a map and say, okay, I'm looking for Fantasyland treats. Like, boom, I know exactly what I'm looking (laughs) for. This is where I had it. That's what I'm looking for. It's going to be great. That's really cool. And it goes back to the theme around memory. Like, I think a lot of people will be like, I really love this thing from XYZ area of the park. Like, you know, so yeah, that's a great way to organize it. Are there any popcorns in the book? 
There are several popcorns in the book. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Ashley loves the, ch- the cheddar popcorn. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan. Of, so I, you can, we can never get it in California. They don't do it in California. The ch- I love the cheddar popcorn that they sell. Well, they sell a uh-huh. few different flavors, right? In, in Epcot in front of Imagination, uh, the Journey right. to Imagination. And so I just love, I love the cheddar popcorn, but they always have like that buffalo popcorn. And I can't remember the other ones there's, but the plain, you know, popcorn is everywhere, but I want, I want some cheddar popcorn. <laughs> well, we got we got some fun popcorns in there, so you'll have to check it out. <laughs> Ashley, it'd also be interesting to hear just your take on sort of Disney food generally. And so uh, I'm curious about your own experiences at the park, even outside of sort of the snack type foods and things like that. Do you have do, do you have favorite restaurants that you like to go to when you're when you're visiting the parks? Yeah, for sure. I actually am the kind of person who tries to hit up new places every time I go. So it was it's hard for me to say like, okay, this is my favorite because I always do that. I like to try something new every time if I can. But some favorites of mine, uh, this is going to sound super pretentious, but my favorite restaurant at Disneyland is Club 33. (laughs) We're very jealous. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it is like it is like it is like on our bucket list to get to just yeah. just see inside of there for sure. Yeah, that's the ultimate bucket list item and don't take it off your bucket list. Keep trying to get there. I've had the opportunity to go twice, so I'm super lucky that I've gotten to do that, but it is it is everything and more that you could imagine. So so good, so much fun and they're really attentive there. They so I told you I have three kids. I have a, a daughter who's 5 and when we were there last, they just fawned all over her and she loved it. And she just said that she wanted to be a chef when she grows up. And they said, well, maybe you can work here and be the chef, at, the head chef at Club 33. And they just kept saying that all night. They kept saying like, oh, Chef Hazel and <laughs> all this kind of stuff. And and now every time we even mention it or we talk about Disneyland, she says, oh, my restaurant's there. <laughs> that's <laughs> amazing. Like, yeah, that's my restaurant. So I, they they do they do a really good job. They they take care of you. Um, but for anybody who doesn't have really awesome connections, I love at Magic Kingdom Pecos Bills. It's kind of do you guys go to Pecos Bills? We've I've been there once, um, but years and years ago. I uh, hear I hear people I hear people lauding it all the time. Yeah. Do you? Yeah, because I think I feel like it's kind of a sleeper favorite, but they have build your own taco bowls. And I just think it's the best deal in the park because they just give you a shell with ground beef in it. And then you go to the taco bar and fill up whatever you want. You can seriously feed like your whole group with it. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's you just take as much like lettuce and toppings as you want. So it's really a good bang for your buck as far as that goes. So, yeah, I love those places. I kind of like more individual snacks, I guess, that I would get. Not, not necessarily a whole establishment. Like my my favorite snack is the pulled pork nacho cheese barbecue fries, mm. <laughs> which uh, I know it's ridiculous even saying it, that are sold at Flame Tree Barbecue at Animal Kingdom. It's just so many amazing flavors in one plate and it's a considered a snack credit, like if you're on the Disney dining plan, but <laughs> it can feed several people. So I just love it. I always get that because it's so good. Sounds like it's, so, it's probably similar to the pulled pork nachos that you can get at the Disneyland hotel by the pool. They're incredible yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, I know. It just makes me want some right now. It sounds yeah. <laughs> just incredible. Yum, yum. Do you get a chance to experience much of the um, the signature dining, Ashley, at all? Have you <clears throat> any any experiences with signature dining that, that really stood out for you? I, I have done some signature dining. I've been to La Cellier. Uh, I, I lived in Canada for a while. I'm actually half Canadian. So going there was pretty, pretty cool to get to, to spend time there and to have some poutine and all that yummy goodness that they have there. 
it's really good. I definitely recommend it. For the most part, though, I, I'm usually I'm usually a snacker. Wait, <laughs> 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 we, we don't uh, we don't do a ton of signature dining since I have three little kids. It's a, it's tougher to to sit down at a restaurant, um, but uh, you can usually find me with something in my hand. What about what about the festivals, Ashley? Have you have you gone to Food and Wine or uh, Festival of the Arts and experienced some of that food? Did, any thoughts or reactions to that? Yeah, for sure. Um, I love the festivals. I think they're great. I love the setup that they have with the booths, especially when they have showings that aren't normally at Epcot, like different countries that you can experience like Greece or whatever. And I love that they just have these small bites so that you can go and experience as many of these as you want. And they lately have even had it that you can order all your food for the whole day at one booth and then go pick it up from each of the different stands. So it makes it even easier and streamlined. So you don't have to wait in a bunch of lines. They make it really easy for you to spend your money. It's like incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we did that recently at uh, California Adventure. Yeah, they had uh-huh. a they had a food festival and they you bought this pass and just had little break off plastic pieces. So you bought one pass, you ordered you they'd have huge signs up that said order all your food at the shortest line and then you just wandered around with your, you know, your your receipt and they'd give you the food and yeah, it was Yeah. Super easy. <laughs> yeah, super easy. And some really interesting stuff. We ended up sort of spanning it over two days because it was a lot of food, despite the fact that they're small portions. It's just there's just yeah. so many. And so we, yeah. we did it for lunch for two days for over the course of two days. That's awesome. Do, do you think back to the cookbook for a second, you know, and subsequent sort of potential for additions, do you think you'll ever try to tackle some of the sort of the main dining kind of things at, uh, at Disney, you know, aside from the snacks, or do you think you're looking more at subsequent additions is continuing to focus on kind of the snacks, the park snacks? I would love to write a meals cookbook. I think that would be awesome. I think it would be a great companion piece to this book. So that's that's definitely something that's both on my radar and starting some trials in my kitchen. I don't have any contracts for that or anything at this time, but that's that's definitely something that I am I'm looking to do uh, as well as other Disney concepts. So hopefully that will uh, will come to pass. Well, once you do the cruise line, then you'll want to do a cruise line book, I'm telling you. So, <laughs> well, I, I actually wanted to pick your guys' brains about that because I would love to write a, a cruise line book. I think that would be awesome. But do you think that that would be a good seller? Like, do you think that there's people who would purchase that? I think that there are people who have very strong favorite foods on the cruises. So, I mean, in the main dining, because the the menus rotate throughout the cruise and there's multiple main dining menus that people get to experience depending on the cruise that they're on. So in the Alaska cruises, they have some different menus than in the Caribbean cruises. And I think they have some different cruises in Europe. And if you're on a longer cruise, you get different menus. And so people have some very sort of favorites. So like we love in main dining, there's truffle presets and, you know, they're, they're great. And I think the opportunity with Disney cruise line dining would be they're doing banquet food, right? And it's good. It's good banquet food. I don't want to diminish it from any, from any, you know, it is good banquet food. And and from what I understand and from my own experience, it is on par with or in most cases better than food you're going to get in main dining on most other cruise lines. But the opportunity, as you said earlier, is to, you know, make it better, make it better. Right. Like that, that could be a better truffle per set. It's delicious as it is, but it could be it could be better if it's not mass produced and sort of made in your own kitchen at home. Right. Right. I also think there's some interesting opportunities because they have two adult dining venues on the cruise ship, Remy and Palo. And Remy is actually like a, you know, equivalent of like a three Michelin star restaurant at sea. They just don't yeah. issue Michelin stars to the, sh- the cruise ship restaurants. Yeah, it's at the sim- same similar level as like Victorian Alberts. Oh, it's the Albert's. same chef. The yeah. same chefs who well, do yeah. Victorian Alberts too. So the Palo, the Palo sticky buns that they have at brunch are just, I mean, people talk about these things all the time. The lasagna that they serve at Palo is 
simply like one of the best lasagnas I've I've Their chicken ever parm. had. Their chicken parm yeah, is amazing. So, so I think there's a lot of really good food items. And then if you throw in Castaway Key, there's some mm. there's some interesting items that they serve on the island, like these little pineapple cakes that they have for dessert. Um, you know, a lot of it's standard barbecue fare, so it's not all that interesting. But but there's some there's just these little things that people crave off of the the cruise line. And so even their chocolate chip cookies, the ones in Cabanas are there's a, ch- a couple yeah, different I've, I've kinds. Heard of, I've heard about it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple different kinds of chocolate chip cookies you can find on the cruise. But I would say that the Cabana ones are superior to all the other options. So, yeah, I think there's definitely opportunities. I'm not sure if there's 100 items, though. Yeah, I'm not sure if there's a whole cookbook out of it so much as it might be something cobbled together with like sort of a signature Disney parks and experiences kind of cookbook or so, you know something uh-huh. right like that. But, right. but to the to the point of audience, I think people who cruise Disney Cruise Line love Disney Cruise Line. It might not be as big as Disney parks, though, because if you think about it, there are two Disney parks, you know, in the U.S. alone and they're huge. Right. They just take millions and millions of people a year. Yeah. yeah the amount of guests they serve. The, so that audience certainly is, is much bigger. The cruise line audience is, is definitely a smaller. I would say there's a huge crossover between the DCL audience and the parks audience. Oh, I think so. Yeah. But then again, there are maybe people who can't afford to go on the cruise line, but who want the experience of trying the foods. Mm-hmm. Well, and people who only can experience the cruise line maybe once, but so love that memory and the food that they had on board. So, yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, Ashley, if you could, if you could step in and take over Disney dining, is there anything you would change? Anything you keep the same? I actually think that Disney does a really good job at their dining. They both like have awesome experiences, both from like their IP franchises, from, from the movies and all that as well as original ideas that are, are really neat. They also do a great job about keeping their menus fresh constantly. Like they try to keep those kind of cult flavor, f- favorites around, but then they have fresh things that are constantly revolving in and out and changing. If I had to add one restaurant, I would want to add a an Emperor's New Groove themed restaurant, which would be uh, like a Kronk's, <laughs> Kronk's Spinach Puffs, Spinach Puffs type of thing. Kronk, Kronk's restaurant or something. I think I think doing stuff like that that would cater to those smaller movies that have big followings uh, would be really fun. And even as like a pop up shop, like maybe maybe if they had it at a festival or something like that, just doing those fun movies that people like adding, adding a little something. I think that a good representation of that is all the things that they did on Pixar pier. They have like the poultry palace and they have the senior buzz and they have the angry dogs. Like they really did a good job of taking these ideas that people would have imagined like, Oh, I wish I could eat at poultry palace. Like, well you can like it's, it's right there and you can eat there. Like it's really fun. They made it cartoony and cute. And so I, I love, I love what Disney has done with their, with their food options. I I'm always excited to see new stuff come. And I always uh, keep on top of that news. Cause I, I love to see it. Uh, I love that idea. I think one that Brian would probably love is if they did like a big hero six, like a San Francisco, you know, oh, uh, yeah. yeah, like sort Definitely. of, a, yeah. They need her coffee shop. They need what's her name's coffee shop, the home base for hero and his. Oh yeah. 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 But yeah. they, yeah. His aunt. Yeah. 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 That would be really cool. They'd have to have her 12 alarm fire or 12 alarm chicken wings in there. Yeah, but I feel like it would be like a cool, they could do like a cool, like California cuisine mashed up with like 
you know, uh-huh. Japanese cuisine. Have you, and, and Ashley, have you experienced much of the food outside of, like, have you gone to any of the non-U.S. parks? I have not gone to any of the non-U.S. parks. That is my is my major bucket list is to is to go to every Disney park in the world. And I I have also considered to write cookbooks for those parks as well. I need to find out what the audience is in those areas. Obviously, I need to to figure out if people are as passionate about the food in those parks as as they are here. I know a lot about them. I'm very well read about all these parks and their foods and their attractions and all that. Just haven't, haven't had the opportunity to go there myself. Well, Ashley, it's been really fun sort of talking to you about Disney food, one of our favorite things. Um, we should probably move into the portion of the show now that's Sam's favorite, which is rapid fire. So I'm going to throw it over to Sam to to go through the rapid fire questions we have. Okay. So these, okay. these questions have no wrong answers because they are what your favorites are. The first question is, what is your favorite Disney or Pixar character? I have two answers for this. First one is Anna from Frozen. And she is fun. She is selfless. She is compassionate. She is an everyman. She's accessible. I think she's really, really funny and clever and sweet. So I love Anna. I also love Tiana. I love that she is so hardworking, that she's determined and dedicated, and that she doesn't just look out for herself. She looks out for others. Oh, I love those. I love that those are both great characters. Okay. Favorite Disney or Pixar movie? All right. My, my favorite classic, because you have to break these into categories. (laughs) My favorite, my favorite classic animation is Aladdin and my favorite new animation is Onward. Oh, Onward was great. We loved it. Okay. Your favorite Disney park. Gosh, I, if you said right now, would you like to go to Disney, Walt Disney World or Disneyland? I would say Walt Disney World. So if I had to go off of that, but it's tough because I've got all kinds of nostalgia for Disneyland. What's your favorite individual park? I guess there's six to choose from, plus the water parks, if you like those. I have to go with Animal Kingdom. Since I got to work there, I know the ins and outs and upside downs and backstage, upstage, everything. And so I, I love Animal Kingdom. Such a special park to me. What is your favorite favorite land? It doesn't have to be in Animal Kingdom, Kingdom but favorite land. Awesome. Uh, Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> oh, wow. Sweet. Yeah. What would you say is your favorite Disney dish? And so by dish, I mean like an, an entree dish, not not a snack. So that's a tough one. I love Be Our Guest. I think Be Our Guest is an amazing cross between quick service and a full service restaurant. So it's kind of meets everybody's, whatever anybody would want from that. Fast, but elegant. I really like their pot roast that they sell. I still like, I feel like I have to pinch myself. Like I'm eating like really good pot roast at a technically fast food theme park. So I I love how they've really heightened fast food at Be Our Guest. All right. So favorite Disney dessert? I think it's the like classic Dole Whip. Like I have to have a Dole Whip. It's just so, so iconic. Disney keeps making like new stuff all the time that's so good. But I always just keep going back to that, especially like a Dole Whip float with the pineapple juice in it is very refreshing on a hot day. Favorite Epcot World Showcase food? So I would say my favorite pavilions are probably Germany for the caramel kuche, for the all the caramel covered everything. And uh, I also love the Japan pavilion for their uh, quick service at the yakitori. So it's really yummy noodles and rice bowls and all that. Favorite Disney food festival? 
I like them all for different reasons. I think my favorite festival in general is Flower and Garden because I like the all the displays and I think they have good food there too. Food and wine is obviously also excellent. So it's it's fun to to do like we talked about, have those little bites and go around to the different booths. I think that's fun. I, I did want to say that before when we were talking about what I would change or what I would add, if I could add a food festival, I would add a food festival at Hollywood Studios and do a Galaxy food festival and have it be Star Wars based and have booths from different systems. Like, so you would have like Hoth food or you would have Tatooine food and have different booths represented by the different planets or different systems. You could have inspired dishes from all different kinds of places. And the the Galaxy's Edge cookbook kind of touches on recipes like that. But it'd be really fun that you could go around and sample different foods from different planets. And I think that that would be neat to, to bring the festival idea out of Epcot and try it somewhere else as well. Well, Ashley, it's been really fun talking to you uh, this evening. How can folks find your blog and your recipes? And uh, is there any information you can share on when the book might be out? Absolutely. So my website is ashleycrafted.com. So my name is Ashley Craft. So that's kind of a play on my name, ashleycrafted.com. And uh, my Instagram handle is at ashley.crafted. And that's where you can stay up to date with whatever I'm working on. I don't post a ton. So exciting whenever anything comes <laughs> up on there. And then my book is going to be available December of this year. So just in time for you to buy it for all your holiday gifts, which I'm sure everybody wants to do. And th- that will be available on Amazon, on Barnes & Noble, simonandschuster.com, or your local bookstore, it will be available anywhere books are sold. So it's already available for pre-order on Amazon as well as those other sites. So you can check it out right now. Well, to let you know, we've already pre-ordered it. So we will, we will be getting it <laughs> in December. You. We might have to get a couple of more copies to give as gifts to friends. I actually think it's a great gift idea for the holidays. Yeah, if there's a Disney fan in your life that likes to cook, I think this would be a fun, fun gift for them for the holidays for for sure. And I think we'll we'll look to probably uh, get a copy of the book and give it away to uh, to one of our listeners so that they can uh, they can enjoy these recipes at home and have a little bit of the park food at home. So yeah, it's been uh, so yeah. So thanks for coming on, Ashley. It's been really fun talking to you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. This is my my first interview that I've ever done. So I appreciate you reaching out to me and, and making me feel cool. So thank you. <laughs> It was really fun meeting Ashley and chatting with her about her new book that's coming out, the unofficial Disney Parks Cookbook. It sounds like a winner to us. We can't wait to get our hands on it. And I did want to give a brief update. We recorded this show several months ago and wanted to release it closer in time to when Ashley's book was going to come out. And we learned the other day that Ashley's book will actually be delivered to our home on November 10th. So I think if you head over to Amazon now and order the book, you're going to get it much sooner than Christmas time. So if you've got a cook in your family who loves Disney, this seems like a winner from a gift standpoint. Point. So head over, buy a copy, check it out. We've got a copy on order and uh, we are going to look at getting a copy to give away on the show. So stay tuned for that. With that, we don't have any five-star reviews to read on the air this week, but I did want to take a second to remind you, head over, check out bonus episode 34 so you can learn all about our Turkey Lurkey Virtual 5K benefiting the Autism on the Seas Foundation and co-sponsored by the DCL Podcast and Rope Drop Radio together with our podcast, the DCL Duo. So great uh, 
uh, virtual 5K race that we're co-sponsoring. Head over, check it out, learn how you can participate and how you can get a shirt that will support autism on the seas. With that, I wanted to thank everybody for listening this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. Head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us those five-star written reviews. They're super helpful in surfacing our content to people who might be looking for us. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also check out the DCL Duo channel over on YouTube for even more great content. The DCL Duo podcast and vlog are not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Walt Disney Company, or the Walt Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Walt Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Walt Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL Duo. Good night. Good night.